Mr. Mark Selby, how are you, sir? Very good, Mr. Matthew Gordon. How are you? I am good. I am good. It's kind of crazy out there for the world of uranium, but it's also looking a bit crazy for the world of nickel. I'm not quite sure how to read it. What's happening? Oh, it's um, so, you know, as I said uh, a few weeks ago, uh, before Christmas, that we were likely going to see some 5% moves. Um, and we did see those to the downside. So we're trading in the, you know, almost 17,000 range, uh, you know, in, in mid-December. Um, and then we've bounced off $16,000 a ton uh, with, we actually broke it uh, for a little bit one day, but uh, we're now back up into the mid 16,500 level. So the the key thing there is that sort of final, you know, for lack of a t- better term, puke lower um, has b- now driven the capitulation, which you'd love to see. Um, and, you know, is, is what you need to see to be confident that, you know, we're seeing the bottom set in, you know, again, what I said in the forecast for the year and, and what said is that, you know, either post, you know, calendar new year, post Chinese new year, we you know we should start to see a move higher in the nickel market, you know, and this kind of news, although it's, you know, again, it just seems like a deluge of negative news coming at you. That's exactly what you need to be able to start to move higher. So perversely, um, you know, it's, it's actually a good sign. It, it, it is perverse. Cause I, I, let's, and I think it's worth trying to understand the, 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 the why, um, it's happening and the why it's okay. So, so run it by me again in terms of what's holding the price down here and then tell me why it's, it's going to be okay, Matt. Yeah. So, so, you know, if, for, for those who saw, you know, our forecast for the year, uh, in our last session, you know, what is really talking about there is, is we've had this massive amount of destocking on the battery battery uh, side. So while underlying usage has gone up in in the in the EV sector by forty percent, because they were destocking inventory, we only actually saw about a three or four percent net call on nickel units from the EV sector. You know, we're going to grow again another thirty forty percent this year. So the potential for this massive restock is 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 huge. And I again, I think it's going to you know kick into gear post Chinese New Year. So you know that'll drive double digit nickel demand growth, which you know no one's forecasting. So that's the the fundamental driver. Um, you know, that's there. And then, you know, wh- what we've seen with this capitulation is a bunch of, you know, higher cost supply, you know, come off the market. Uh, so, you know, that that's what sets the stage, you know, for this turning okay. point. Okay. And, and and I know we talk about it a lot, but I think I'm always conscious that there's lots of new people, certainly on the, this particular show, which is all good news, new people kind of coming in and obviously may not have the time to go back and, and look at older uh, episodes is... Uh, uh, I don't think I saw it as recently as this morning on on a YouTube comment, which is like it nickel is a wash. It's it's everywhere, you know. So the nickel market is a wash with product, and we uh, are going to be swamped by Indonesia. We're going to be swamped by the Philippines. It's 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 all over, folks. So again, just give us a quick summary on on why that perhaps may not be the case. So the the other pieces in terms of these reported surpluses, you know what, um, because again, from a bunch of other physical ind- indicators in terms of premiums, you know, there doesn't seem to be as much inventory overhang as those surpluses would suggest. And where, you know, where, you know, I believe this, these quote surpluses are are actually initial first fills for the whole battery supply chain from precursor to cathode to battery to EV. And each one of those new plants needs inventory to start up the plant and then inventory to then distribute to their customers. And, and the way people calculate the numbers, they kind of leave out all of those first fill numbers. And because we're building so many new plants for the first time, 
those turn into pretty material numbers in terms of the overall balance. So yes, we're in surplus. We're not in surplus for, you know, sort of 200,000 tons, sort of six or 7% of the market. You know, I think we're in about a two-ish percent surplus. So then when you start to see the kind of cuts that we just saw announced over the past week, you know, that, that, you know, I think that in combination with the big surge in demand, you know, that'll come after Chinese New Year is really what's going to sort of, you know, propel the market uh, through the balance of the year. And it's kind of kind of worth reminding ourselves that, the, you know, I say small percentage um, moves kind of, you know, affect the market. So EV is in a kind of fairly, what's it, a lear- it's in a learning phase, right? You know, every, you know, the, the you know, you, we're going from uh, ICE to um, electric vehicles in a very short period of time. And I think most people in that sector are kind of learning on the job as, as it were. And although stainless is a, Big, big chunk of this, those small percentage moves on the EV market, um, perhaps having a, having a, you're trying to work things out, trying to work things out. So a little bit of that in there as well. But like, okay, so Mark, there we go. So there's some market um, uh, data for people to kind of um, get into. Um, you're positive about the the future and perhaps we're sort of seeing the bottom at the moment. Um, we need to look at all Australia because again, some of the signals coming out of there could be confusing. Should we start with Wiley? What was happening there? Yeah, no, no. That, I mean, that's the part. If you looked at the headlines, you know, you know, as a nickel person, you might be uh, slashing your wrists at this point. But you know, um, so number one, uh, you had you know Wailu, uh, they bought Mincor, um, uh, which was operating three mines in in the Cambalda region, and a couple of them literally just just restarted in the past eighteen months or so. They've announced they're going to put all those mines on care and maintenance, uh, you know, by the springtime. Uh, you know, again, you know, Cassini is one of the first new mines in that area, and it's a million tons of three percent nickel. Again, we talk about high grade. <laughs> you know, these are high grade mines that are getting shut down because they're unprofitable at today's prices. So, just another data point, you know, on that on that high grade argument we always have. Before you close off on that one, I mean, the, the other side of the argument: there are lots of there are low grade uh, mines which are operating efficiently and economically, right? So it's not a case of high grade can't work, nothing else can work. It's a case of all the variables associated with Cassini have, you know, well, they're in a bit of trouble right now. Cameron mentioned is, yeah, well, let's see what happens. What, what, so these higher grade, camp, smaller high high grade Cambalda mines have been like shut down and open up, shut down and open up, whereas Mount Keith, which is the grandparent of these build, big bolt tonnage ultramafic nickel deposits, shrugging along for, you know, almost 30 years now. So, you know, again, that's it's real world data to refute, you know, unfounded uh, statements about what matters. There you go again with your facts. Yes, I know. Damn it. Um, the the other part with with Mincor closing those mines down, BHP runs a concentrator in the Cambalda area. They bought, you know, companies in the area sell the ore to that concentrator. So that basically with that going into care and maintenance, that effectively closes off a route to market for any other supplies, you know, that, that might be, be in the area. Uh, you can actually ship it even further up to the, their, their Leinster mill, but that's a couple hundred kilometers away. So there's, you know, not many uh, operations in the area can, can really afford uh, to do that. So that's two sets of operations, you know, uh, going down. Uh, First Quantum operates the Raven Sorp. So this is one of the, the, early 2000s generation of HPAL projects. Um, and they uh, they are suspending mining. So they have low-grade stockpiles that they're going to continue to process through the plant. Uh, but to save co- some, some cash costs, they've actually shut down, um, you know, shut down the mining there. So that'll result in, in a cut in production because it's lower grade uh, there. 
then the other piece is with with these things happening in the nickel market, again, BHP splashed out $7 billion for Oz Minerals. Uh, the read-through value for their nickel copper project that they bought, you know, was over $2 billion. Uh, $2 billion. Um, and so they've, they've indicated that they might be taking a write down. We'll, we'll find out in about a week or so uh, when they publish um, their, their financial results uh, for the half year. And then the other piece of news that came out was uh, Sarah Matoso uh, is run by uh, South 32, which was a spin out uh, of, uh, from BHP of some of the smaller non-core assets in, in the mid uh, 2010s. Uh, they're looking at, you know, in terms of strategic, you know, options for the, that, that operation, it's a 40 year old laterite mine, laterite deposits are relatively easy to high grade. So, you know, not surprising, you know, that this is something that's sort of starting to float its way up the cost curve and, and, you know, may, may make it difficult to, to do. So again, when you add all those together, there was a story this morning, the association of, 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 of mining companies. You know, mineral and exploration companies in Australia is asking the Aussie federal government for help uh, on the nickel front. Yeah, again, you add those up, you think, oh, it's 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 very very dismal. But it, but again, you know, the majors are always behind the curve. They are always you know closing down. And again, the fact that they're closing them down, taking some marginal capacity out of the market, is this kind of thing that sets a bottom in you know and and sets things higher. So you know, Chinese New Year's still a few weeks out here, but uh, you know, will be very interesting to see. Uh, what happens uh, through February, and again, I think we'll start to see the first, first, you know, first signs, uh, you know, of the market turning. Okay, and again, a little bit more detail if you don't mind. When you say things like, you know, the major center be behind the the curve and and and, and you know production cuts, etc., are we saying that, and the fact that they they potentially help set the bottom, as it were, to an outsider looking in, it just looks like, well, jeepers, everyone outside of Indonesia is struggling with with their nickel projects. Um, perhaps just keep banging as we keep banging on that narrative. Yeah, Indonesia will control the world and will control the supply. If BHP can't make it work, if Wiley can't make it work, if First Quantum can't make it work, South Thirty Two. What hope is there for the rest of us? So, so most of these mines are basically, you know, in the case of the sulfide assets around Kambalda, you know, are small scale. Yes, they're high grade, but they're small, high cost. Uh, 30 plus, in some cases, you know, 30 plus year old mines, um, you know, that, uh, you know, have seen their best days. So it's, it's important not to take, take what happens at the tail of the cost curve. And then it sort of assume that that is, is what's going to happen, you know, across the entire cost structure. So again, the big bulk tonnage of, you know, potential things like our project with Crawford, you know, FBX Nichols with, with Dakar, you know, those are structured, you know, have multi-decade operations. You know that have a bunch of structurally structural advantages that can help make them low cost. You know that they'll be able to continue to operate and generate cash. You know throughout the cycle. You know including at kind of today's prices, which are forcing you know people to, to close you know some of the mines out there today. Okay, is there good news? Are there green shoots? Yeah. So so already you know before again, I don't think it's going to really kick into gear until post Chinese New Year. But you know already, despite all this you know negative news in the market, you know we we have seen uh, a small increase, a couple percent over the last few weeks in stainless steel and NPI prices in China. You know off off of the bottom, you know there's some mention of restocking beginning. You know in the EV supply chain, so um, you know you know that that that's very good news. Uh, and you know a, again, there's a bunch of other stories coming into year end um, and, and and some other stuff that came out this week about. 
you know, Ford cutting production of their F-150 electric truck. Um, and if you, again, if you look at the headlines, you think, oh, this whole EV thing's, you know, been hyped and it's all going to roll over. But, you know, again, let's talk about the facts. So, you know, you know, for the entire planet, uh, up 31 percent. Um, in, in the month of November, year over year, and, and for a year to date, up 38%. You know, the big thing from a nickel consumption, again, are the big cars and trucks in the U.S. And, you know, the U.S. ended up 50%, uh, you know, for the year with the month of December up 42% year over year. So, you know, again, don't extrapolate a few car models that might be overpriced relative to what's in the market, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, what's going on with, with, with the EV sector. So, you know, those are all, you know, again, some early green shoots and, and some, you know, demonstrating the underlying momentum, you know, that I think is really going to carry things as we go through uh, 2024. Okay. And I'm sure we'll uh, head on some of those topics and we'll keep, you know, um, keep close attention to some of those numbers and see how they, they uh, continue to move. Right. A bit of company news. I think we're going to rip through a few, a uh, few uh, regulars and, uh, and maybe, you know, one you want to make? Where are we starting with? Yeah, so SBC Nickel. So um, you know, this is a, a, a smaller company that consolidated, you know, effectively Valet and themselves own two halves of the same deposit. Uh, they got a deal done with Valet a few years ago. They've just completed uh, a drilling campaign again. A very very solid exploration team there, and came out with a, you know a good resource. It's you know of open pitable nineteen million tons at 042 percent nickel. They have some copper in there as well, so that, you know, almost 0.6% copper equivalent. So, you know, again, and they've got two mills uh, in the region there that they can ship that to. So, you know, uh, good work by by those guys in terms of getting that over the line. Um, you know, the, the other, uh, you know, good chunk of news is Centaurus. Uh, their their project is, again, one of the handful of, of, of larger, you know, of larger scale sulfide deposits that can move forward. So uh, they've got... Um, uh, confirmation of what's called the plan of economic assessment. It's another step in the permitting process, you know, so they're one step closer to getting their, their final permit to get going. So uh, it'll be nice to see that, you know, continue to move forward. Um, Talon, uh, you know, again, continues to step out, you know, away from their main resource area, you know, fairly splashy, uh, uh, you know, uh, some picture to core in, in their last release. Uh, so they had six meters at, you know, 2.9% nickel and 1.7 copper. You know, with an in, including another, you know, two meters uh, of, you know, that came in at almost seven percent nickel and four percent copper. So, you know, that's great. You know, unfortunately, the other two holes not quite as splashy as that, but but again, it's nice to see some grades uh, showing up. Um, Visionary, uh, that's the one out in Wyoming. This is you know completely new greenfield area, so uh, still very early days. You know, they hit some nickel. A little lower grade, a little narrower than what's there, but you know, uh, you know, as I said, it's very early days there, so you know, I would, you know, one to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, the other one uh, that's a little bit new, Archer. Uh, they picked up the Grasset deposit, which was a discovery from uh, by made by a company called Balmoral about a dozen years ago, um, and so they're testing some of the extensions. Um, you know, came up with some, you know, pretty decent, you know, pretty decent grade. Um, but a little bit narrow and, you know, given the depth that's there. But, you know, again, you know, be nice to see that one uh, move forward because that was one of the few new new discoveries um, that we've seen um, in the last while. And then finally there, you know, uh, premium nickel uh, in Botswana. We've talked about them before. Um, some, you know, some decent results uh, that came out. Um, 
they provide the widths. We can't tell the true widths right now. Uh, they, they don't provide that. Um, but, you know, again, you know, they're, they're okay, great, but they are deep. And again, you know, contrast them to the kind of grades we see at MinCore um, and, you know, which we, mines are going on care and maintenance. So, you know, again, just, just, you know, grade is only one variable in the whole story. So, you know, just, just, just keep that in mind as you're looking at companies' results. Right. Okay. And then just, just obviously looking at some of the names that we've mentioned there, there's a lot of kind of like companies have been hit hard last year. The valuations just aren't there. And, and obviously it's getting harder to access cash for some of those companies. We're sure, you know, uh, not necessarily everyone here, but, you know, some uh, two, three year lows. When does the sector start to become interesting to the money and that the, and obviously you've you've obviously been through a phase so you know like Nico eagle anglo-american you've got samsung in there you've you've found it easier to forget uh you so you felt not easy i'm sure it was hard work mark um but you 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 have gone through a process which has attracted and got people over the line so that's to be commended right there's there's something in what you are showing and and talking to them about that they believe for the junior market more broadly, it seems a little bit more difficult. Now, I guess your Inco background helps you understand the market overall. What have these guys got to do to become relevant, become noticed um, in terms of where they get their money from other than retail? Yeah, I think, you know, to be able to, you know, demonstrate the potential of, of some of the exploration, you know, that they're looking at. You, you, again, if if you can, you know, Again, you've got the companies that are promotes that you know take two historic holes from 15 years ago and drill one new hole in between them, you know, and put out a flashy result. You know, again in a in a in an up market, that's great. That gets some attention. But the reality is, you know, some of that institutional money's going to be smart enough to go. Okay, well, you actually haven't. You know, you, you're not moving the needle in terms of what the potential looks like or showing me what the the upside would look like. So. You know, the, the key thing with these, you know, these guys is, you know, again, you know, do the work with the budget you have, you know, to try to be able to clearly demonstrate, you know, the upside potential. So if you have those funds, you know, that do have a view on a, on a metal, you know, then 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 it's helpful. Uh, again, the sad reality is, you know, gold, silver, copper, you know, most fund managers are quite comfortable, you know, playing around in, in, in that space. Um, you know, there are some, you know, that also, you know, dipping their toe back into uranium whenever uranium has its a day in the sun and with, which we're going through now. But then, you know, unfortunately for the rest of the periodic table, a lot of those guys only pay attention uh, when it becomes a flavor of the month kind of metal. Um, you know, we've, we, lithium was that a few years ago up until probably six months, you know, lithium's now come off. Um, and so, you know, part of the excitement, you know, f you know, for me, and I think for, for the nickel sector as a whole is, Again, once we get over, you know, once we start to see this move higher, um, you know, off a low bottom, you know, it hopefully starts to create the momentum, you know, starts to counter some of the negative narrative that we've seen for the last three, four months, you know, and then creates that, you know, that trajectory where people say, okay, you know, I'm okay to start throwing some cash around to some earlier stage opportunities because I think we're, you know, back up in another 12 to 18 month up channel from here. So, you know, that's, you know, if, if I sound excited about, uh, you know, what, what's coming post, what I think is going to come post Chinese New Year, you know, it's for that reason, because, you know, again, that should start to see some some dollars sprinkled back into uh, the nickel sector, which would beat up pretty hard over the last 18 months. Right. And, and, do, you, and do you think in terms of decision making in the North American market, which obviously, you know, has, has, has holds huge sway. Yeah. 
in the sense of the, the demand drivers. Um, do you think that the elections are going to hold things up? Are we going to be, is, a mar- is the market for nickel, is, is the, are the equities markets going to be, I, I, I guess, under some pressure from people waiting to see the outcome of, you know, the, the 2024 election? No, I think, you know, that I would say one of the very, very few bipartisan issues um, in the U.S. that, you know, both Republicans and Democrats agree on, you know, is about getting China out of the uh, supply chain uh, for critical minerals. And so, um, you know, as Donald Trump says, China, that they're pretty keen to get <laughs> they're you know, he, you know, he's pretty keen to do that. So he may do it differently than Joe Biden in terms of sort of the corporate subsidies that he's got involved as part of the Inflation Reduction Act. But in terms of the overall objective uh, around you know getting China out, you know, he, he is he is there for sure. Well, like, OK, Mark, I better let you get on because I know you've got a busy day and um, I'm, I'm lost to do. So um, we'll see you next week. OK, sounds great, sir. Thanks.